Welcome back to Up The Villa podcast. If you are new to our channel, subscribe, get on this journey with us, drop a like on this episode and comment your thoughts in the comment section down below. So we have a massive game on Sunday away at a place and at a club that we we do okay against. We, we're good against them at home. I think we've, we've sorted that one out now. So at home, we're pretty good against them. Away, we kind of need to get that win, don't we, to say you're not a bogey team anymore. But we are getting through those bogey teams where we generally are terrible now and now we kind of are doing okay or we're drawing games. So we're kind of writing those wrongs of what's happened in the past. But Brentford, tough, tough game. I've spoke about it numerous times that, you know, this is a big game. I've, I've said earlier in the week that my eye has been on this game because of where we are in the Premier League now. We've got to believe that we've got to keep winning and we've got to keep this momentum going and we've got to just try and get maximum points out of, of every game that we play. And, and I think this is a difficult game. There's been this narrative of, of our away form being really, really poor and I, and, and I, and I kind of I kind of don't really get it. I think... It's it's okay. We are a win away on Sunday for being two points behind Man City's away form. So, in context, it's not that bad. But I think when football fans from afar are comparing the home and away, there's probably going to be that bit of a gap. There's going to be that bit of a difference because when you've won every single game at home, we haven't done that away from home. So, the points tally, there's going to be a bit of a difference. And and I think as long as we can keep going and not losing games away from home, I think we'll be we'll be fine. Like stick a couple of wins in there, a couple of draws, a couple of wins. You know, that points tally starts looking a lot tidier. So I'm really looking forward to the game. It's going to be really difficult, like every single game in the Premier League. I don't expect us to win. I think we've got to earn the right to win and that's the same in in every single game whether you're at home or whether you're away but you know I think just touching on what we did last week I think we've got to keep remembering what we did last week because you know it, it was absolutely fantastic and you know it'll kind of count for nothing if we don't get a good result against Brentford I'm gonna say that we've got to back it up with something um so yeah looking forward to it Tough game. Last week was phenomenal. Best week in my Villa supporting life, I think, with the magnitude of, of what it brings, where it leaves us, what it could potentially bring for the squad. So I think, like I say, we've got to back it up. But we're coming against a team who, and I'm going to say this right now, Thomas Frank is one of my favourite managers in the Premier League. He is one of my favourite. If I had to rank my favourite, not the best, not the best. So this is what we'll do on this episode. Thanks for everyone that played along with the Fiverr sides. I want you to rank your favourite three managers in the Premier League. So you've got to rank your favourite three. And Thomas Frank would be, I reckon he's my second favourite. I really, really like Thomas Frank. I... I think he's fantastic. I love how open he is. I love how much belief he brings to his team. I rate his tactics. 
alright his understanding of the Premier League and what it takes for Brentford to compete and survive. I like his mannerisms. I like the way he speaks. I just really, really like Thomas Frank. And, you know, he's just he seems like a great guy and he gets a club and it feels like the fit with him and Brentford is just perfect. The understanding of the recruitment. You know, and even how honest he is with like oh Ivan Tony and and that relationship and just how honest he is. You know, he's not he's not gave any excuses this season. You know, for Tony being out for half a season, there's no excuses. They're probably going to sell him in January. There's no excuses. Even with Embraimo out, no excuses. Where I hear so many managers across the Premier League like moaning about injuries, etc. And he just gets on with it. He gets on with his business and I just really rate him. So Thomas Frank, one of my favourite managers. Third favourite would probably be... Who'd my third favourite be? Thought tactics, I'd say Pep. You know, I, I've got to put Pep in my top three because of his tactics and, and the way he plays and what he's done for the team. So my three, Emery, Frank and Pep. Let, let me know yours in the comment section down below. You know, but going on with last season with with Brentford, their their style is is unique, um, and the way that they play is really interesting. But we've got to look at what they did last season because what they did last season was nothing short of remarkable. You know, some of their results were absolutely fantastic. So we've got last season one oh one um. Won at home against Man United, 4-0. Beat City away, 2-1. Beat Liverpool at home, 3-1. Beat Chelsea away, 2-0. And beat City at home, 1-0. You know, those results against those top, top teams are absolutely fantastic. And he's got two systems we're going to get into, two different systems that he plays. But one of the, my favourite things about Thomas Frank was when he was on Monday Night Football. And I don't know if any of you have seen it, but you can type it in on YouTube and go back and watch him on Monday Night Football, breaking down his systems and the way that he plays. And he was so open. It was so interesting. It was so fascinating hearing a top-level coach talking about tactics and the way that they play. And it's absolutely brilliant. So go and check that out. Um, and I loved his... Uh, tactics when we was in that summer series in the summer when he just whack out his clipboard or his his uh, tactic board and he'd be moving people around etc. Um, and it was absolutely great. And one funny thing is that you know they were playing really well against Villa and I think in the summer series he was saying like um, condense the middle of the park and then about five minutes later Conso just runs from centre back straight through the team and scores. Um, but yeah, his tactics are great. Uh, his mindset's fantastic. You know, his belief on what he what he wants from his squad. I've got some quotes here for me. He's, My mindset of every game is that we can win. We believe that we can and we've shown it. So, you know, he, his, his mentality that he brings to the team is, is, is absolutely great. So, we're going to go to the tactical pad now. And we're going to have a look at their systems and we're going to have a look at the way that they play. And then we'll caveat some of the things that why they're not playing so well at the minute. Um, and then we'll have a look at um, some of the stats, etc., from the game as well. We'll do Villa's predicted lineup in this episode. Um, so we've got a lot to get through. So let's go then. 
to the tactical pad. So, Brentford have two different systems that they will play. They will play a 5-3-2 or a 4-3-3, depending on the level of opposition, what they are going to be playing. Generally, against the top teams, so City, Arsenal, um, they are playing with the five at the back. Uh, they like playing with the five at the back because it's, it, it limits the space for the opposition when they are playing with the five at the back. Um, and he has also said that I know with the five, it's a top way to defend. So the five is a bit more defensive. It contains the opposition a little bit more. And it gives them a little bit more of a foothold and a little bit more of a, of a strength in the game. But the principles from the five at the back to the 4-3-3 do not change. So if we have a little look at um, the benefits of this system, the benefits of this system come with two players who are currently injured, which is a massive blow for Brentford. So if we move these two out of the way, Visa would probably be in there for maybe Onyeka. But if we would have to bring into this Ivan Tony and Mbwemo. So with the five at the back, and Buemo and Tony were absolutely massive last season because it allows them to go direct. And by going direct up to Tony, flick-ons, hold-up play, it allows Buemo, who would be in and around here, to either drift out wide, to run off Tony. So this tactic of the five at the back with Tony and Buemo is absolutely unreal. Last season, Buemo absolutely destroyed Villa. Uh, at the GTEC, and we managed to get away with a 1-1, but he was absolutely everywhere in this channel through here, and Tony was just peeling off and offering that threat. Tony loves to peel off as well, and then Abramo can go in there as well. So this system with those two is absolutely dynamite, but they don't have them at the minute, so their system in this five is a little bit of a blow as well, because they just can't operate the same way as which they would do with Tony and Embuemo. When they press in their, in their five at the back, everybody moves across a little bit. The eights come and help support. Everybody shifts across. And what they don't want to do, so when they move and when they have that sort of space, they don't want that ball to be switched into that area. So when everybody moves and comes across, Frank does not want the ball to be switched into those areas. So it's about them being compact and about them being, you know, organised and the system just works really, really well. Another problem that they've currently got at the minute is Aya would be playing in this position and Aya is currently out injured. So that is why they're potentially going to the 4-3-3. So the 4-3-3 is looking something similar to this. You'd have Norgard, Baptiste and Onyeka, and then you'd have um, Visa, Potter and Mopai. So the 4-3-3 looks something similar to this. We know principles don't change, so when they are pressing, they're going to be coming into these areas. But I think at the minute, the, the big problem that Brentford have got is no Embraimo. Embraimo is absolutely key. And then without Tony, they've got big, big problems as well. Uh, so they will go high. They will press high. They will go for man for man when they are going high. 
Uh, normally, the eights will press the fullbacks when they're playing in their fives. Um, and he's also spoke about how they operate in a week as well, which is fascinating. So he said that normally they will have an early team meeting on a Tuesday with the coaching team. They will implement and drip into some tactics on the Tuesday. And then Thursday, they will use their overall game plan and then Friday as well. Uh, and he's also spoke about uh, that he tells the team, you know, the day before so everybody can get prepared with the team. Everybody can get sort of in their head about um, who's playing in that game as well. So that's absolutely fascinating. I love that from Thomas Frank. So if we go now and we'll just have a little look now in depth a little bit more at their system and and the variations on the way that they play. So this was their formation against Sheffield United. The loss against Sheffield United. So we've got the 4-3-3. The average positions look like this as well. So pretty compact. The eights are very, very compact. The six is in there. Nor I really rate Norgard. I think he's a brilliant, brilliant player. Really, really underrated. And this was their passing network against Sheffield United. So you can see Ben Mee, Pinnock, a bit of a relationship there. Ben Mee to Jan Elt, who's offering the width. We've got Godos coming inside a little bit. Norgard, well, I think he's their best player, to be fair. A little bit like Dougie Louise being that sort of pivot that just offers everything. And then you've got Mopai and Wiesa offering that threat up top as well. Um, so that was how they played against Sheffield United. This one was against Arsenal. I think this was against Arsenal or Liverpool. Um, this shows that they're 5-3-2 formation. And then you can see from the average positions, you've got number 19 and Buemo offering, you know, a real focal point up top. You've got the five at the back and then you've got the three in central midfield as well. So this just shows the two different formations that they play. Uh, style of play, you can see that they are edging towards a slow and intricate, but they're sort of stuck in the halfway house this season. And I think this is why, and you can see this from having no Tony, that last season they were quite fast and direct. This season they're a little bit middle of the road. They don't have that focal point, but they've still got Embuemo. So they can go direct to Embuemo, but they're not as potent without Tony. And I think this shows, you know, where they are. They're, they're building out a little bit, but they're going direct at times and they're just sort of in that middle part. Uh, this is Brentford's um, dominance per game. So blue is where they are dominant. Red is where the opposition are dominant and contested is grey. So it's not that great from Brentford. You're seeing the opposition having a lot of ball, a lot of ball in central midfield. And this is why Brentford are kind of, I'm not going to, yeah, they're kind of struggling at the minute. Their last three games, they're really struggling. Um, and then here we have from open play, we have got the uh, XG. So you can see Aston Villa are at a 2.4248 and we're scoring 25. So Aston Villa are currently outperforming their XG. You've got Brentford in 11th with 19.80 XG and 16 goals scored. So they are underperforming their XG. So it looks like Villa are more clinical, taking their chances. 
Brentford aren't taking their chances when they get them as much as well. And then I just wanted to show you this graphic with Brentford with their direct attacks. Their direct attacks, they're only at 16 direct attacks and they're at 24 build-up attacks where Villa are at 39 direct attacks and 42 build-up attacks. So, you know, you can see that little bit of a difference. You can see why Tony not being in the team is kind of hurting them a little bit as well. Uh, home, we have got the away form. So Aston Villa's away form. We are in ninth place on 11. Like I say, we're a win away from that looking, you know, a, a lot tidier. Um, so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to show you the graphics from the game against Sheffield United. And she Brentford were poor in this game. Really, really poor. And if they do this against Villa, then Villa are going to get a lot of joy. A lot of joy. So my first point that I want to make up is that they left the striker 2v1 or 2v2 numerous times in this game. So this was the first instance that I spotted it where they went with this sort of... Right, here we go. So we went 2v1 here. And it's very, very dangerous, very, very dangerous indeed, because it, you, you just open, you just been, you, you've got the ability here to be rolled. You know, look how high Brentford were in this game. There's nobody here. There's nobody behind this player. And if he gets, if he gets turned here, you know, he, he's away. And I was really surprised that, this is the tactic that Brentford adopted against someone like Cameron Archer, who's quite pacey. So we've got another instance here where we're 2v2. Brentford defending that 2v2. And from this moment here, this is where the Sheffield United goal comes from. So they're able to turn, they're able to play, and McAtee gets to this area here, and he curls this ball into the top corner. But that all came from leaving a 2v2. Now, against Aston Villa, we know we're going to have a Diaby or a Watkins up top. So if they go for this 2v2 up top, they're going to get absolutely smashed. There was time and time again where Sheffield United were able to break through the lines and again, pick up space, commit bodies forward. We've got, we've got here, okay, 3v1, but you've got players that are looking to get into these, these areas. And this was just happening time and time again. Again, we've got another one here. We've got another player that's on the ball. We've got this ball that could go through there. You know, in transition, Brentford were getting caught out so many times. We've got another one, another player who's free. And I just think without Ayer in Brentford's team, without going for that five at the back at the minute, they look quite exposed and, and it, they look like they can be really got at. Um, we've got another one here where just highlighting Brentford's shape. You know, Brentford have got Mopai, Wiesaf up top as well. Um, so they are committing on, on that might be on Yaka. They are committing players forward as well. So we've got to watch out for this threat when the fullback goes forward. Um, you know, they do like to have a little bit of an overload on, on one side as well. We've got another one where Brentford. Um, Sheffield United are breaking through on Brentford 
it was just all too easy. It was all too easy. And then one thing that I will point out on, on crosses, they do like an overload on that back post. So Villa have got to be careful for the overloads that will be on that back post as well. So, you know, those are some of the things that I picked up on. Again, Sheffield United, that in transition, they were easy to play through. Um, and I think if Villa can play well on the ball, dominate possession, we'll get so much joy. We'll create so many chances. And I just think Brentford, at, at the moment, aren't at that level of where they have been and where they want to be. They've got key players out. And I think Aston Villa have just got to ex exploit it, to be fair. We've got to exploit their problems. So, um, yeah, I'm expecting a Villa win, to be fair. So we'll go back to some of these then. So you've got the Sheffield United passing network. We've got width. We've got a focal point. Uh, we've Archer. We've got a midfield that are pretty dominant. Hamer had a really big game. Um, so that was their passing network. This is where Sheffield United attacked Brentford predominantly through the middle. And that's what you can see on those images that I showed you time and time again in transition. 2v2s, 1v3s. So, you know, centrally... I'll expect Villa to be quite dominant in the game. You've got the shot map with XG by the minute as well. So it's quite calm for the first part of the game. Uh, and then it opened up as the game went on. We've got the expected match, expected threat. So Brentford with 3.48, Sheffield United with 2.30. Brentford did have chances in that game. They did create some, I'm going to say like half chances, like... It was just like crosses going into the box. And you've got Brentford's danger creation as well. We've got the shot map. So uh, pretty, pretty even. Brentford were in the black. So they had a few shots inside the 18-yard box as well. Form guide. Aston Villa's form guide looks beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Last five games, four wins, one draw. And that draw against Bournemouth looks you know, a great, a great draw. And then the form guide for Brentford, we've got two losses, a win against Luton, two losses. But before the Liverpool loss, they'd won three games in a row. So, you know, their form was looking pretty, pretty good at that point. But they've gone on this spell of losing four games where, you know, they've not looked that great at all. Uh, previous meetings, Villa 4-0, decent, 1-1. Uh, so it's not too bad from a Villa point of view. And in the Premier League era, we have played four, drawn two. We've got a win each and they both come with home wins. So there's been no away wins in this run as well. And then finally, Brentford of 11th, Villa a third. We are scoring 2.2. They're scoring 1.4. They're conceding 1.4 and we are conceding 1.2 per game. So... Um, both scoring goals, both conceding goals. Um, so, yeah, that's um, that's how the tail of the tape looks. Um, interesting, looking forward to it. Um, so let's go now with the predicted lineup then. So we will go predicted lineup and we'll have a look at how it's going to match up and where I expect uh, the threats to come from then. So I imagine with no Aya. Um, Unless they've got a player that I don't really know about, they're going to go 4 3 3, maybe. Ideally, I guess they'd want to go with five at the back, but I'm not sure who that five at the back player would be. So we'll go 4 
we'll go 4-3-3 then for them. Um, so that's how they will sort of set up, uh, looking similar to that. And then Villa, we will go with the Villa team now of what I expect Villa to go with. So this is recorded before the Zurinsky Mostar game. So if there's any injuries or I've put a player in that's got a knock, then obviously that player won't be playing. But I imagine this is what Villa are going to go with. So we are going to go with Emi Martinez in goal. We are going to go with Pau Torres. We are going to go with Consa. And we are going to go with Diego Carlos. That is going to be my back three to start with. So sticking with how we've been playing away from home. And we know that Luca Dean is suspended. So we will be bringing in Moreno. So let me just find Moreno. Where are you? Where's Moreno? Moreno. So Moreno will be in from a Villa point of view. We will have Bubakar Kamara as the holding player. He will be the player who is going to be sitting in in the double pivot. And there is no Dougie Louise. So he will be partnered in the double pivot with, let's go, with Yuri Tielemans. So I'm going to go with Tielemans and Kamara in the double pivot. I think that will add good balance. I think Tielemans is playing really well at the minute as well. Um, and then we are going to go with, because Tielemans, <coughs> Tielemans will be moving position, we are going to go with Jacob Ramsey just in front of Tielemans. Um, right, here we go. So we'll go Ramsey in there, and then we're going to go with McGinn in the preferred side as well. So McGinn will be back in the side that I think a lot of you prefer him in. So we'll go McGinn there. We'll go Watkins up top. And we will go with... We will go with <coughs> the RB. Now, if Bailey's fit, if Bailey's available, we'll go with Bailey. But if not, we'll go with the RB. So what do I expect Villa to do well in this game then? I think we will be pushing Moreno up into those areas, pushing that fork pushing that wide player back a little bit more. We will be having a shape looking something similar to this. Carlos Manandor Mopai. Just, just chuck him about. Chuck him about. Get rid of him. Uh, so that's what we'll have there. We'll have Kamara, who can screen this back three a little bit. And then that will allow Tielemans to, you know, move around in these areas. Ramsey, I want him picking up the ball, driving forward, driving the team forward, you know, getting into those pockets, offering a real threat, linking up with Ollie Watkins. McGinn getting into in and around Norgard. That's important that McGinn gets inside and around Norgard and Baptiste as well. And then DRB, you know, offering a threat through here, offering a threat out there as well. So that's the team that I would go with. You know, it's going to be an interesting game from a Villa point of view because we've got no Douglas Louise. So, you know, can we cope without Douglas Louise? I would imagine that we can. I would imagine that these players are all going to be buzzing. They're going to be fired up. They're going to want to put in a real big, strong, solid performance. It's about keeping the game tight, growing into the game, controlling the game from a Villa point of view and just offering a real threat and creating numerous amounts of chances. So, 
I'm really looking forward to the game. You know, I think as a Villa fan, we've got to look forward to every single game that we play now. There's going to be a lot of eyes on Villa now. And it's about us going out there, delivering and, and just doing really, really well. So, you know, hopefully you have enjoyed that episode. I know a lot of you are really enjoying these tactical episodes that I'm doing. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to trying to push the channel. I think, you know, when when, when we've done this channel, um, we've kind of like, uh, and this is how I've wanted it to, to go really, I've wanted to continually evolve. I've wanted to push myself a little bit as well, because you know I don't want to just get in a in a comfort zone and and, and in a rut really. Um, you know, some of you might just think, oh, you, you just make an episode and that's it really. But you know, I'm I'm here for I'm here for longevity here. Do you know what I mean? Like basically, this is this is my this is my job up the Villa podcast and. Um, you know, I've, I've tr I'm trying to push it. I'm trying to drive it forward and push myself because I want to go into areas that I'm not that comfortable in at times. And, you know, if I just come on and just talk about the same old, same old stuff, I mean, that gets boring for you. So all of the different concepts that we bring should bring a different type of um, enjoyment for you watching at home, whether it's the opposition previews, the debriefs, the previews, the fan cams, the player ratings, all these interactive ones. And I've tried to go and study teams and, and break down teams and show you kind of how teams are going to play and how they're going to set up, etc. So that's what I've tried to do, you know, the, probably for the last six months now is try and bring you a, a, a tactical element, really. So I think it's worked. I think a lot of you have enjoyed it. Um, so you know, I'm already now thinking, what's the next thing that I can do? What's the next step that I can bring to the channel to evolve it a little bit more? So, you know, as we grow, then the channel grows and we grow as, you know, people that come on the channel and present different ideas. So hopefully you're all enjoying it. I mean, it's a lot easier when Villa are third in the league, smashing Man City, beating Arsenal. You know, that's... Um, so easy to talk about. It's so fun to talk about. And, you know, I, I love the engagement from you guys. So I, I want as much of that as possible. I want you guys to all be involved. And I think the fan cams have gone up a level this year as well. So, you know, fan cams have got better. They've got more fun. They're, they're, they're more energetic. And and that's something that I want to bring as well. And uh, you know, when we when we do our episodes, it, it's about taking you on a bit of a journey. So we do this one normally at the start of the week where we preview a game, we look at a team, we look at how they've played, and then we go on a bit of a journey of sort of like predicting the Villa lineup, hearing from Unai. So we set you up for the game. And then you know, you get that raw emotion when we when we walk straight out of a game, you know, it's just it's just energy, isn't it? It's just a vibe. It's just passion. It's it's sometimes you can walk out and be really disappointed and portray it on a fan cam. And people will be like, oh, I don't think we were that bad. But we've just walked out the game. We're just showing what our emotion is straight after the game. If you want a more level-headed approach, then you'll get your debrief on the Monday where 
we will go more in depth with stats and statistics and that's your more level-headed. So you can see that journey of walking out the game to a debrief and that's hopefully what we are bringing and portraying for you guys that watch at home. So, you know, we work really hard and all we ask for is that you subscribe. It's free and just comment and get involved and, and offer your thoughts. And everybody that goes off in the comments is like a fan forum. There's so many of you interacting with each other, you know, and, and we kind of spark the conversation and you end the conversation with, with your thoughts as well. So, yeah, cheers for all your support. You're massive. You're great. You're legends. Up the villa. Let's hopefully get this win against Brentford. Up the villa.